Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And not too much crazy news this last week from the Rangers. The biggest news possibly regarding the Rangers came from Pittsburgh. The possible rumors of a firing of Mike Sullivan, the Penguins head coach, He's now in his sixth year, or just wrapped up his sixth year with the Penguins. Uh, he's won two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh, his first two years with them. He had four years behind the Rangers bench as an assistant coach for John Tortorella. And I just think that if Pittsburgh stupidly moves on from him, I understand it's been four years since you won a Stanley Cup, but that Pittsburgh team this year, they had so many injuries, so much stuff. Uh, you know, so many of their star players out. Crosby was really the only guy who stayed in the lineup the entire year. They were a really good team. Um, I mean, the Rangers saw it firsthand. Uh, they had struggles against that team all year long. And they lost to a really good Islander team in the first round. And now there's rumors of him possibly being let go. If I am Chris Drury, I am making the phone call right away to him and seeing if he's interested in the New York job because I think he would be a home run hire. Great experience head coach, experience with New York, experience in the New York media. Uh, seems like players talk very highly of him. He. Uh, from what I've seen with Sidney Crosby, obviously Crosby has not taken a step back in his career with him. When he came in, you know, they won a cup right away in his first year. Uh, they went back-to-back, actually. So he has the playoff experience. I know Gallant is probably still at the top of everyone's list, and he's having some struggles over the World Championships. Team Canada's not doing so great. They've actually won a couple games here in a row. 
Um, but he was taking a little bit. There was a little bit of heat on Golan about the performance for Team Canada, but it's not the best team that they've ever fielded over there. And Golan has also interviewed for the Columbus job. But if Sullivan's name comes available, I, I just think the Rangers have to turn to him as their, their top guy because I think he's just too good to pass up. I think he's got too much experience. And, uh, I mean, two Stanley Cups is, <laughs> is nothing to be... I mean, two Stanley Cups is great. I mean, that is a great resume. So I think if he does, if he comes, if he's on the market, Drury has to go after him. And other than that, there's not much more on the coaching front. They have not scheduled any more interviews. The only re- interviews that the media knows of so far is Gallant a few weeks ago and Rick Tockett uh, last week. So other than that, nothing really going on from the coaching front. I uh, last week I think I talked about I've, I'm covering the World Championships for Belly Up Sports. And I asked Bob Hartley if, about the Rangers job, and he basically shut down the conversation in 10 seconds. There's been really no word about him, even though he remains high in the Vegas odds of being in the running for the head coaching job. Nothing's really come out with his name. Nothing's really come out really with anyone's name, frankly, about the Rangers. So Drury's taking it very slow. Um, I think he's kind of waiting for the playoffs to shape, you know, the shape up and see what happens here. Honestly, I think he's waiting to see what happens with Brenda Moore. Which, I mean, I saw the highlight this week of him in the locker room. If, if you haven't seen it, look up Rob Brenda Moore, Dad's Birthday Locker Room, uh, sing. He had the whole team after they won an overtime game sing to his dad, Happy Birthday. It was a really crazy video. Was, I mean, watching that, you're like, this guy must be great to play for. And it seems like his players love him. Uh, so I think he's waiting to see what happens with Brenda Moore. I think he's kind of waiting for the playoffs to shake out. There's not too many teams out there that are... Looking for a coach as well. Um, so I, I know Gallant, like I said, he interviewed with Columbus. It looks like David Quinn is interviewing with Columbus as well. So that's interesting. I know, I mean, JD's there now, and JD said, I'm pretty sure JD was going to keep Quinn for another year. Uh, I think he's a fan of David Quinn. So it'll be interesting to see if Quinn gets a job, uh, job with them. I know he was with the Columbus organization with Davidson as a AHL coach. Um, before going over to uh, BU. So he does have experience in the organization. Um, so that's interesting to see his name pop up there and, and interview for that position. And I know last week's episode caused quite the uh, waves on Rangers Twitter and hockey Twitter this week with uh, Ryan Spooner's comments about uh, David Quinn's coaching philosophies and the rules he had. Um, so I want to thank everyone for reaching out to me uh, about the episode. And uh, you know, I really appreciate everyone sharing that and adding their opinion to it. Um, because I think it is something. I know Spooner had only played uh, a handful of games. I think it was like two months for, for Quinn, but obviously if that's the guy's philosophy. He most likely stuck with that philosophy. Um, you know, that's what he came in preaching and, and teaching. You know, that's what he was most likely going to stick with. I know he was a, a rookie coach, and he probably did evolve as the years went on, but, I mean, right away coming in with that mentality, especially when you have Lindy Ruff on your staff, who's been an NHL coach for so many years, you would think Lindy would kind of grab him and be like, hey, listen, you know, we're in the NHL now. We can't be doing this kind of college stuff. We can't be telling star players in the NHL that you can't uh, stick handle in two-on-ones or any other crazy rule or sprint back and stop, whatever else he was doing. You would think Lindy would get in his ear, but, you know, hey, he's the head coach, so I guess you can do whatever, whatever you want. But, um, you know, that rubs Spooner the wrong way, who was an NHL veteran. He played for Claude Julian, um, who obviously it was an experienced NHL coach, something that he never experienced before. So it was interesting comments from Spooner. I really enjoyed the interview. And uh, again, thanks to everyone who's reached out to me that enjoyed the interview as well. 
I think this week we have another great interview. So before we get into that, though, let's talk about this World Championships that we have right now. So the big news at the World Championships is the injury to Rangers prospect Niels Lundqvist. So Niels was actually leading, I think he was leading the team in points. He had five points through three games, five assists, playing really well. Uh, again, just showcasing how his skills on the highest of levels on the international stage. And unfortunately, he suffered a knee injury and uh, has now left the tournament and uh, will not return. He went back to Sweden. Now, the biggest thing about Niels is that all the rumors were that he was going to sign an entry deal as soon as the World Championships were over with. I don't know if that changes now because of an injury. I don't know what how the extent of the injury. They haven't really said anything about it. The only news report I saw about it was in Swedish, so I couldn't really... You know, Google Translate wasn't that great with it, but it said a scare, a minor scare, knee injury. I don't know what that means. So hopefully it's nothing crazy. Hopefully it's just, uh, you know, just something that wasn't going to heal in time for the World Championships and they, you know, they wanted to be precautionary about it. I, I don't know, but I just hope he's okay. He was having a great tournament. So, you know, great tournament. The one game I watched of him, he was really noticeable on the ice. Man, he's, he's quick for a defenseman. He's really quick, especially in the international ice. He is all that room to move around. He is really something to watch out there. Um, so hopefully Lundqvist is okay. Other news from the World Championships, Philip Heedle is having a pretty good tournament. He's got two goals and assists in five games. Now the same cannot be said for his Czech teammate, Libor Hayek. He had an assist in the opening game for the Czech Republic, but since then he has not scored a point and is actually minus four on the tournament. He struggled. He got demoted down to the third pairing for the Czech team. He came in playing on the top power play and top penalty kill, and he's no longer on either of the top units. Talking about uh, another guy who I think is going to be uh, keep an eye on in Rangers camp this year, it's Adam Huska. Now, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. We talked about Riley Armstrong. We had him on the show. He's playing for Slovakia. He finally got into a game. We we're recording this on Sunday night, so we got into a game actually today and earlier Sunday. And even though the team lost to Sweden, he was really good. He made 27 saves. Uh, he was named the player of the game for first country. And I thought he played very well. I actually watched some of the game. Uh, I Again, he had a great year in Hartford. I just think he's a guy to watch. And uh, when we talk to a lot of these goalies and uh, Mackenzie Scapski, we talked to him about his career. A lot of them say it takes years for these goalies to develop. And sometimes it can, you know, 23, 24. Look at Igor Shosturkin. He's 25 years old. He's finally, you know, obviously he played some years in Russia. But, you know, when they get to that age, like, that's when they're really hitting their peak as a goaltender. So, you know, maybe Huska's just one of these guys who's a little bit late developing, play college hockey. And I think he's a guy to watch next year. He's a possible, you know, I don't know if the NHL sticks with the taxi squad or not, but I think he's a possible guy that can maybe stick as a third goaltender, depending on what the Rangers do with Kincaid, depending on what happens with the expansion draft, if Kincaid does get selected by Seattle. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Now the American trio, the Americans are playing really well. They've won four straight games of the World Championships. They have a big game coming up on Monday against Germany. If they win the game against Germany, that actually locks up a top two seed going into the knockout rounds uh, before the medal rounds. But before the single knockout rounds, and then if uh, if they are able to win that game, they play Italy on Wednesday, which is the worst team in the group. Italy's got, I think they have left, left like 40 goals. I think they just lost today 8-1 to or 7-1 to in Canada. And actually, Braden Schneider got his first assist in the game. So he saw over 10 minutes of ice time, which is the most he's seen in any game. Obviously, it was a blowout, but... It was good to see the kid get some minutes. He got on the scoreboard, had an assist in the first period, um, which was great to see. You know, last week we talked about Gallant talking about him from when I interviewed him and asked him about how he was playing, and he just liked his size, liked his speed, liked his toughness. So he saw some more playing time today, got on the score sheet, which was great to see. 
So hopefully uh, he gets some more time here. Canada is right on the edge of a um, knockout berth. They lost the three, first three games. Now they've won three games in a row. Um, so they need some stuff to happen in front of them. So the game they're actually watching would be the U.S.-Germany game. Because I think if the United States beats Germany, I think Canada gets it. I'm not too sure about that, though. But the U.S. trio has a game against Germany and then Italy. They win both. They'll set themselves up really well for the knockout rounds. Colin Blackwell was actually named the player of the game for the United States game on Saturday. Uh, the United States took five penalties in the game, and actually him and Kevin Rooney uh, were a big part of killing off all those penalties. Blackwell had a great game. He was all over the ice. He's had a really good tournament. He's not scoring. Uh, actually, neither guy has a point in the tournament, but they both have been playing excellent in their defensive zone. Both are playing on the top penalty kill, just doing you know the stuff they did for the Rangers all year long. Just the dirty work, you know, playing well in the defensive zone, blocking shots. You know, Blackwell was out there for the final minute, the last big uh, win for the United States against Norway, blocking shots, and that would let, that's what led to him being the player of the game. Uh, just his defensive game was so noticeable, and he's playing center for Team USA and doing really well at faceoffs. So that's something to watch out for next year. The Rangers may be using him more in the um, in the faceoff so, uh, faceoff dot. So the last guy from Team USA that I want to talk about is this week's guest. Rangers prospect, upcoming star. I think this kid's going to be so good. He's having a great tournament. Zach Jones. So Zach's actually has, he has two assists in the tournament. He leads the team in ice time. I talked to Coach Capuano, the United States head coach, about him. He's raving about this kid on the big international ice. He's using his quickness. He's using his speed, using his vision. He kept on talking about his passing out of the zone and how well he's playing. He's playing on the first penalty power play, I mean. Um, he's playing on the top line, so he's seen some big minutes over the United States. Had a really great showcase for Chris Drury to show what he can play for next year. He played the final 10 games for the Rangers this year, and this interview was awesome. He was great. Uh, he gave us a great insight into that Rangers locker room. We talk about the brawl against the Capitals and how that all came out. Now, he was on the ice for the opening uh, face-off uh, brawl, so we talk about that. You know, we talk about, we get into the Panarin thing, you know, we talk about Tom Wilson a little bit. Uh, we find out some inner workings at Ranger Locker Room, like who's the talkative guys, who's the funny guys. So it's a really fun interview. If you're a Ranger fan, you'll really enjoy it. So let's send over an interview with Zach now. And today we are joined by a very special guest joining us all the way from Riga, Latvia, where he's playing the World Championships for Team USA, Zach Jones. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Happy to be here. Uh, I mean, what a year for you. You start off, uh, you know, for a crazy year of COVID and then you, at UMass in your second year, you guys make a run and win the national championship. You make your NHL debut and now you're playing for Team USA and the World Championships. So are you tired? Yeah, I'm a little tired, not going to lie, but uh, it's been a, a fun ride so far, and I'm excited to keep it going. So let's talk about that championship run, the first uh, UMass national championship ever. Uh, so just talk about this year, what, you know, what, uh, what led you guys to get there and that whole experience. It was awesome, yeah. I mean, the whole year dealing with COVID and stuff, we dealt with it super, super great. And I think that's what helped us win the national championship. We, uh, we didn't get uh, COVID once until the two days or the week before the semifinal game, we had one guy test positive and that was the first test we test or positive test we had all year. And, uh, you know, I think that was a big part of our success and 
we just were a super close group, an older group. And it was, uh, we had great leadership from the top down from the coaching staff all the way to the players. It was, it was a great year. And, uh, you know, we made that run in the championship in the, uh, tournament in the hockey. And look back from there. And we, uh, it was an awesome, awesome year. I think the guy you had positive, was it the goalie, right? Who tested positive? No, it was one of our forwards, Jerry Harding. Okay. So I remember seeing you guys had like some kind of a goalie thing. And I saw like, I think the club team for UMass was like, if you need a guy, we'll run them there. Yeah, it was, uh, so his roommates had to sit out for a week. So they missed our semifinal game. It was our starting goalie and, uh, our leading goal scorer and our third string goalie plus with the forward that tested positive. So we were missing a few guys for that game. So we had to, our equipment manager was our goalie for that game or our backup goalie for that game. Oh, geez. As a defenseman, you gotta be sitting there just looking at him like, Oh man, I really hoped <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, no, he was good. He, uh, he skated with us. He was probably, I think he was a senior or a junior this year or he might've been a senior, but, uh, he skated with us a lot, so he was a decent goalie. He uh, he played in high school and stuff, so he if he got thrown in, it would have been a different uh, – I feel like we would have been blocking a lot more shots, but, you know, it was awesome. To, it was an awesome experience for him, and it was great to have him on the bench uh, in his full gear. All right, so just three days after winning the national championship, you signed your entry deal with the Rangers. When did that conversation start to happen, and when did you really consider making the jump? So I didn't – the whole year I was telling everybody I was planning on going back to school. And I was, that was my plan for all the way until right after the national championship game. Uh, my agent told me that uh, the Rangers wanted to sign me and have me come up and stay with them for the entire year. So, uh, you know, I just thought about it for a day or two. And, you know, the, only, the biggest thing for me coming in was I wanted to get the experience. I wanted to be with older guys. I wanted to pl- see what pros do on a daily basis. And, uh, so that would help me for next year at camp. And uh, I went up there and it was awesome. I mean, the first first day I was a little shell-shocked, obviously, but um, I just for each day. I was going to say, it's so that first practice with the team. I guess what's going through your head when you're going out on the ice? Uh, nothing really, honestly. When I'm playing hockey, it's a different story. Just like obviously meeting the guys and everything, being around a new group, it's a little nerve-wracking. And, uh, you know, getting on the ice, that was where I felt the most comfortable, where I could just play hockey. You make your NHL debut a few days later at MSG against the Flyers. Uh, I guess walking into the MSG locker room, seeing your jersey there, walking out there, doing that, you know, the skate around the ice as a rookie, what's going through your head? What kind of emotions are you feeling before that game? Uh, Obviously nerves. I mean, it's your first NHL game. You're dreaming about this for ever since I was a little kid. I've been dreaming about doing that and uh, taking that solo lab. And, you know, I, I just say nerves was the biggest thing for the first probably five minutes and then once I got into warm-ups I kind of just loosened up and started thinking no I'm just here to play hockey I'm not here to do anything else so it's something I'm most comfortable with and I was fine going out there after probably two or three shifts that's when I really started to get more comfortable. So you've played the final 10 games the Rangers this year what was the biggest adjustment for you from your game standpoint jumping from the college rank to the NHL? I just say like dealing with the speed dealing with the speed and the physicality. And, you know, I played on at UMass where the ice was pretty big. I mean, it was an, pretty close to an Olympic sheet. So going to playing on an NHL sheet every game was obviously different. You don't have as much time and space. Guys are on you quicker. And uh, I get used to that for a little bit. But once I uh, started getting used to the speed and the physicality and reading where guys were and stuff, it was, it, the game started to come a lot easier. And guys are always in positions. It's just it's an easier game at the college or at the NHL level than it is at the college level. 
We have to talk about that game against the Capitals this year. Obviously, the whole thing with Panarin happens in the next game. You know, it's back to the 1970s with the fights. Uh, was there what happened in the locker room? I guess before that game, was there a discussion with you guys like this is what's going to happen? Like this is what we're going to do, uh, or is it more organic than that? Uh, I think some of the guys had conversations. I uh, was starting the game, and my D partner told me to change right away. Just told me to stay out of it. So I uh, was getting off the ice, and they just told me to stay on. But I mean, yeah, that was pre-planned, and I think, but I'm not really sure. I didn't really hear much talk about it in the locker room. But the guys, you know, obviously. It was a pretty dirty move by Tom Wilson there, but the guys wanted to show everybody that, you know, we can fight back. We're not just going to let you attack our star player and nothing happened of it. So I thought it was a great response by us, but the next game and a great, uh, it's like, yeah, it just brought the team closer. And uh, yeah. Now, what did you guys think on the bench after he left there for, was it the first period he didn't come back in? Was there any, uh, any chirps going on after that? Not that I, I mean, obviously, he's chirping during the game. Got Zdeno Char coming over to our bench four or five times during that game, yelling at us. So it was definitely a uh, a, a uh, chirpy game for sure and a chippy game. But, you know, I don't know. We just, once he left, I don't really think anybody thought much of it. Maybe he got hurt, but I didn't hear much out, out of that. Now, one guy who I've, I, I've grown to really respect, and I've heard great things about him from guys I've talked to on the team and, a lot of guys who actually played with when he got demoted down to Hartford is Brendan Smith. Obviously, he's been a veteran on this team for a couple years now. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, being a young guy, was he a guy who really took you in and showed you the ropes a little bit when you came over? Yeah, Smitty was awesome. He was talking to me all the time. You know, we were at the rink, we were practicing before the or before practice, stuff like that. He was just giving me little tips, stuff like that, which was awesome. It's something I wanted to come in and I wanted to learn from these older guys, see how they're handling themselves on a daily basis. And he was great for me. I mean, little plays I can make, little things I could do to help my game and improve my game, which was huge for me. And I, uh, I really respected Smitty for that. He was awesome. Uh, the funny thing about the Rangers' defense, you know, Trouba was out actually, but you know, there's so many Americans, so many young Americans too, in that a decor with, you know, Fox and Miller, and you have Trouba back there, and then you have Potato was around. So when you came in, I'm sure it was an easy transition too. Probably some of these guys you've played with, uh, you know, either through Team USA or through other things. Talking about Adam Fox, a guy who you've actually had some comparisons to because of your offensive skill. Um, I guess just what does he like to watch in practice and games and. Obviously, for a fan who doesn't know, uh, you know, the ins and outs of every single play on defense. But, I mean, he just, to me, he's an amazing hockey player. Yeah, Foxy's sick. He is ridiculous. Watching from the bench, the plays he makes, it's like, it's, it's just so easy for him. It just, the game comes to him, and he's just so patient with the puck, and he makes plays look so easy. And it's just, that's as simple as it gets. It's an easy game for him. It's super, super easy, and he's... I'm still a fan of the game. I always am learning from players, so I'm, I love watching him play. I mean, just picking up on little things I could do with my shoulders and my head, little fakes he's making, stuff like that. Just uh, anything to improve my game I'm trying to do, and he was somebody I watched a lot during every game in practice this year. And I forgot to add Ryan Lindgren, um, another great American uh, young player. That guy bleeds every game. I mean, 
Is that noticeable to anyone else? Like every every game, that guy's bleeding. He's a workhorse. He is awesome. He was awesome for me. I played with him for those first couple of games before he got hurt, and he was great for me. I mean, just like Smitty, he was always talking to me. I mean, after every shift, pretty much, he was saying something to me, positive. Always, it was always positive. I mean, it wasn't not getting down on me, but like uh, just building me up and stuff like that. So it was great, and uh, you know, Lindy was awesome. It sucked to see him get hurt. He was great for me. Now the Rangers in general are such a young team. Um, you know, we talked about the young defense, but up front they have so many young firepower, so much young firepower on offense. Alexis Lafreniere, you know, he got off to a slow start, but he really started to come on the end, and we started to see more of a character, I think, out of him. So what's he like in, off the ice in the locker room? Is he, uh, you know, you see him hugging everyone after the games. Is that what he's like off the ice? Yeah, Laffy's awesome. He's always, everybody says that he's always smiling. I noticed that. I sat next, I sat next to him in the uh, practice, practice rink for uh, the year, and it was awesome to get, t- get to talk to him. I hung out with him, Keandre, and uh, Vitaly Kratzov the most because we all lived right similar to each other, right next to each other, actually, in the uh, buildings. And, uh, you know, Laffy's awesome. He's just, <laughs> he's a funny kid. And from practice, do you see, like, the elite skill from him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. From everybody, all those guys. It's, it's really fun to watch in practice. Now, again, I, I've talked to a lot of guys about this, too. When you have a really good offensive team like that with young, you know, young firepower, you're playing defense against them in practice. So how difficult it is, is it to defend these guys and then you don't want to be embarrassed when they come into the zone? Uh, so I got my first welcome to the NHL moment when first practice, first rep of a two-on-one drill, Bucci and uh, Mika came down two-on-one on me and tic-tac-toed it about seven times and put it in the back of the net, and it was... It was awesome. It was it was great to be a part of it, just to like see it and uh, you know learn at the game. And it, honestly, I didn't have a ton of like practices where I was going against guys this year, because just because like COVID and we weren't practicing as much because like, so many games. So I didn't really get to experience that type of practice. So I mean, I'm I'm excited for it come camp and to see how good these guys really are during practice. Who's the most vocal guy in the locker room? Smitty, for sure. And then from the young guys, is there a young guy that's a vocal guy? Uh, I just say everybody. I mean, it's a great group. Everybody's always talking in the locker room. So, I mean, I wouldn't really say there's one specific guy. I mean, Smitty's definitely the most talkative, I'd say, just like four games and stuff. But I'd say everybody's very talkative, and it's not a quiet group, that's for sure. Now, with your exit interviews this year with the Rangers, was there anything that was discussed for, uh, you know, in the offseason for you to improve on or something that you're going to focus on this offseason? I'm just going to focus on my body pretty much getting stronger, getting physically stronger and just getting faster on the ice and stuff like that. You know, every little part of my game I'm trying to work on. And they didn't give me one specific thing. But the biggest thing for me notice that I noticed in the NHL was my strength's got to be way up. I got to get it a lot stronger for the, in this offseason to come and be ready for camp next year. So that's definitely my biggest focus. Was David Quinn in on that conversation? He was, yeah. We had separate conversations, one with Jury and one with uh, Coach Quinn. Were you surprised when they made the move? I was a little bit, yeah. I mean, I had only been there for a short amount of time, but Quinny was great for me. He was always giving me little things. I mean, I've said it about a few guys, but he's always – Tell me little things I can work on during the game. He's pulling me aside, showing me videos, stuff like that. So I, I love Quinny, and he was great for me for the short little time I had with him. And I guess also same kind of question. Uh, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon get fired right before that. 
uh, Caps game uh, out of nowhere, it seemed like. So what was, uh, I guess, the feel around the team of the, the surprise of that? Yeah, that that one was surprising. I mean, that one was crazy. I would have woken up from my nap. I looked at my phone and saw that, and I was in shock pretty much. I mean, just because I just got into NHL and all this stuff starts happening like that. It's a business now, so I really started to figure that out. And uh, the team just kind of – I mean, the locker room, obviously, everybody was talking I focused more on the game, but uh, it was definitely a little buzz around it, and uh, it was just a crazy, crazy couple of days there. Yeah, I was gonna say, did Drury come in and address the team at all, or was it just a thing that kind of happened and you kind of just rolled with it? Uh, Mr. Dolan did. Mr. Dolan. Oh, so okay, he came down to the locker room. Came down to the locker room and dressed the team. Yep. Wow. So what he did he have any reason behind it, or he just kind of say like this is what my decision is? Yeah, I mean, he pretty much just said it was his call, and I don't know, there wasn't. Not much, not much else. Just telling us we got to focus on the game and go from there. It's probably the first time you've ever seen him, too, right? It was. I had. I <laughs> walked in the room. I had no idea who it was. To be honest, I, it's DeAndre. It was. <laughs> I never. never it yeah, he. Uh, he usually stays out of Ranger business. He's usually more of uh, messing with the Knicks. So I don't like the fact that he's now over. Our, you know, I don't like the fact that he knows what the Rangers' locker room is. I will tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, it was something. Uh, all right, so now you're playing for Team USA over the World Junior, uh, World Juniors. We did play World Juniors, but now the World Championship. Um, how did that selection process happen? Like, when did you find out that you'd be making the trip over? Um, and I guess what led you to the decision to play? Uh, I got, I probably found out like with four or five games left in the season that they, uh, there was a possibility. I mean, I, that was another reason why I signed was I might've been able to make this team. And if I did make the team, I was hundred percent going to go. That was thing. I didn't play a 56 game schedule like the rest of the NHL guys did. So I knew my body would be fresh. And I figured, I mean, another great experience for me. This has been awesome so far. And you know, that was the, another thing for me, just experience. It's all I'm trying to get. I'm being around pro players all, all day, every day again. And it's just, it's been great. So guy that's over there is Brian Boyle. Uh, he's probably twice your age now, Brian. I mean, love the winners of the Rangers. Uh, so what's uh, like being around Brian? I know he's, uh, I, you know, I hear from, again, from so many players that he's like the greatest guy off the ice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greatest guy. He's so funny. He's just so great. He's a great guy to be around. He's just always laughing, always making jokes. And it's just been, it's been a great, whatever, week and a half with him so far. And I talked to your coach, Jack Capuano, uh, about your play so far. And you've led the U.S. team in ice time all three games. You're playing in the first power play unit. Uh, it seems like you're just making plays all over the ice. And he said that playing on a bigger sheet, like you said, like you did at UMass, really works for your speed and your skill and uh, just your defensive game in general. So, uh, is this, I mean, this is a great showcase for you to show, you know, Drury, who is the GM of the team, you know, what you can do playing these major minutes. Yeah, it's been awesome so far. I mean, getting the opportunity to play as much as I have been, it's been great. And coaching staff's been great with me. We have a great decor back there, and any guy could be playing. The any guy on our team could be, or any guy on our decor could be leading the team in minutes. We have a great group here, and uh, you know, it's just been awesome for me so far. I'm just trying. I mean, the big sheet is awesome. I mean, that thing is it's huge here compared to UMass. It's way bigger. I mean, the corners are deep, and just works to. I mean, I can. You have a lot more time with the puck and. It's just a lot easier to make plays, I'd say. So coming from Richmond, Virginia, not too many guys. I think you're the first guy from Richmond to make it to the NHL. Uh, not too much hockey going on in Virginia. So 
How was that road to eventually the Rangers? You know, what was uh, that path like for you? Uh, it was it was a difficult. I mean, it was obviously a difficult one, but I mean, it was great growing up in Richmond. I really got to. We had a really good team when I was there. When I was probably, I'd say, ten to about fourteen, I played, or I'd say, yeah, ten to fourteen, I played AAA hockey in Richmond. And we had guys from northern. We had like four guys from Richmond, and like the rest were from Northern Virginia or uh, Maryland, North Carolina. And we had a guy from Pennsylvania. Like we were pretty much that little area, and it was great. I mean, the hockey there was awesome. I mean, we had a good team. We were always uh, driving to Detroit, Boston, Chicago, playing all against all these other top teams and top kids. And uh, and then once I got to the age of about fourteen, I knew I had to leave because I mean. You can't stay in Richmond forever if you want to ever make it in hockey. Because <laughs> right now, it's—I mean, obviously, it's getting bigger. It's been great. I've sent, definitely seen a growth in it. But uh, I went to South Kent for three years, and that was the best decision I made in my life. I'd say that and going to UMass were the two greatest decisions I made because I grew tremendously at South Kent, and then luckily enough, got to go to Tri City, and then ended up at UMass. Yeah, so leading to that UMass decision, was there a lot of schools looking at you then? Like, what, what other schools were in contention for you? No, I had, uh, I'd say, two offers. I had I had a few, like, four teams talk to me, and I visited four campuses, and that was it. Got offers from two schools, Union and UMass, and UMass just blew me away. Going there, and the coaching staff was awesome. They were so welcoming and so wanting of me when I was, I wasn't, obviously 5'10 always and I was a smaller kid growing up so when they saw me when I was not too small but not like I am now they saw me probably 5'5 five, five I was and they really showed interest in me and really believed in my game and really really made me it really helped me take that next step forward going into my third year at South Kent that really gave me the confidence to uh get better and you know it just led from there UMass was UMass was awesome for me so the Rangers took you in the 2019 entry draft in the third round. Coming into that draft, was there discussions with the Rangers? Like, what was kind of, uh, I guess, what was just that draft experience like? I talked to the Rangers one time, and they were the first team that talked to me. So that was the only time I talked to them. I had no idea that there were any teams before that. And they told me, like, cert- I mean, they didn't really tell me where I was going to go, but they said at some point we're probably we're really interested in you. So I figured a few teams might take me. I was just you know, waiting for whenever it would happen. And when the Rangers took me, it was just, like I said, on draft day, I blacked out just because, like, it was awesome. It was so, I mean, my parents were there, my family. I had teammates there from uh, Tri-City that were getting drafted too. And it was a great experience with all of them. And, you know, draft day was awesome. Now looking at, you know, you're drafted right during the rebuild for the Rangers. Was that something that you're like, oh, wow, I might have a chance to, to crack this lineup? Is that obviously something that goes through your mind? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I got drafted, I wasn't really thinking much of it. But a couple of years, I mean, obviously, two years it took me to get there. I uh, definitely thought a lot about it, just thinking, you know, maybe I could make this team, make this team just keep getting better and better. And just my confidence just kept growing and growing in myself and believing in myself that I can make the team. All right, growing up, who were some of the defensemen or some of the players that you modeled your game off of? So I was a forward. Tell us about You're a forward, okay. Yeah, until I was about nine. So Danny Heatley used to be my favorite player for, like, the longest time. And then uh, I really started liking Eric Carlson. Like, Ottawa was my favorite team, and I loved watching Eric Carlson play. And uh, he was definitely somebody I modeled my game after. And then 
as I started to get older, I started watching more Kale McCarr, uh, Tory Krug, uh, guys like that. And those were definitely some of my idols growing up. That makes you feel old when I hear someone saying, growing up, I watched Kale McCarr, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was cool to watch him for the two years at UMass. And then uh, now he's just, yeah, he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I guess the conversation, as a Ranger fan, you hope the conversation the next couple of years is, oh, is it him or Fox for the Norris? So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, watching him in these playoffs, he is, he's unbelievable. He turned UMass around, and he, yeah, he got so much better going from uh, juniors to college and then just took off in the NHL. So I was going to ask you if you grew up a Caps fan, but I guess you grew up a Sens fan? I did, I did. How did that work out? I went to... Uh, the 06, 07 Stanley Cup Finals when Ottawa played Anaheim. I think that was the year. But uh, And my dad knew the equipment manager for Ottawa, so we got to go down and meet a bunch of players and stuff. And I got a few sticks from guys like Danny Heatley, Daniel Alfredson, Jason Spezza, guys like that. So it was uh, that just made me start liking Ottawa, honestly. Just loved them since then. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's better than liking the Caps, I guess, as a Ranger. Exactly, yeah. No, I, I hated Caps fans growing up. <laughs> now he can do that again. Exactly. <laughs> All right, look at the Rangers team. Who was the funniest guy in that locker room? Funniest guy? Strom. Ryan Strom, for sure. Ryan Strom, really? Oh, without a doubt. Hmm. How about Buchnevich? What's he like off the ice? Is he just the big jokester? Is he just like, he just looks like a goof? Yeah, he's awesome. Buch is funny as hell. He's a great guy. Have the Rangers talked to you about possibly this offseason if they're going to be doing some type of a rookie camp or if they're going to try to do some type of a, a you know, because uh, last year everything was done. So I don't know if you would go to a rookie camp this year or if that's something that since you made your NHLW, you wouldn't play in. Um, but I guess what's the plan for like the offseason scheduling? They haven't told me anything about that. So I'm just planning on uh, the only thing they've told me is training camp. And that's the only thing I'm really planning on right now. But. I'm just I'm going up to Michigan again this summer to work out and skate up there, so it'll be from probably end of June till whenever training camp goes. So it'll be another good summer. And obviously, you're so you're playing for Team USA now. You've made a couple appearances for the for Team USA before. What's it like putting on that USA uh, logo and that jersey? It's such an honor to represent your country every time you get to do it. And when I got every time USA's asked me, I've said yes, and it's just been it's been great. I'm. I love representing my country. I love putting on the USA sweater. I grew up watching all these tournaments and wanting to be able to put on that sweater and represent the US of A. It's just been, it's awesome. How great was it beating Canada? Oh, so great. It's always good beating those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, I've seen, you know, a couple of people on, uh, you know, the hockey media, they, oh, you know, Canada's not stacked this year. So we're not worried about this tournament. I'm like, it's USA Canada. No matter, I don't care what you're playing, billiards, you got to root for your US. You know what I mean? You still got to be into it. No, it's USA Canada, no matter what. No matter who's playing, no matter what sport it is. It's, it's the rivalry. Well, Zach, thanks so much for taking the time today to join us, and hopefully we'll catch up with you next year during the season. Thanks, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Zach Jones for joining us, taking the time out of his busy schedule over there in Latvia during the World Championships, playing for Team USA. Uh, what a great interview. Uh, what a great guy, so I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. And uh, and hopefully next time we talk to him, he'll be a gold medalist. And uh, and I'm covering the games, like I said, for Belio Sports. So uh, hopefully we run into each other again on a media uh, podium. Hopefully it's after a gold medal game. And I want to wish him all the best. And, and he's playing so well over there. Uh, so 
Uh, hopefully Team USA keeps it going because they're hot right now. And uh, hopefully they can carry this momentum all the way through to get to that gold medal. So that does it for episode 25 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. A big milestone for us, 25 episodes. And I cannot thank uh, you guys enough for listening to the show, interacting with us on social medias. It's really amazing. It's really awesome when I get a, a DM or uh, just a message about, hey, great show, great episode, you know, great interview, um, anything like that. It's really appreciated. So please... Um, you know, keep it going. Um, you know, thanks. Thank you. Thanks everyone for joining, you know, for joining the show. And I think this last week we're the number 32 ranked hockey podcast in America. So, uh, we've come a long way and I, I really can't thank everyone enough for listening to the show. It's, uh, it's incredible, but that does it for this week's episode. Please make sure you check us out on social medias. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at the Broadway hat podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Broadway hat pod. You can find me on Twitter at KHOLNY. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review to our show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. It really does. Uh, make sure you check us out on Spotify, all Amazon, Google products, pretty much anywhere. Make sure you check us out on Spreaker, our new host, um, Spreaker.com. You can search the Broadway Hat Podcast on there. Uh, and that pulls you up to actually, you can pull up iTunes, you can pull up uh, Stitcher, you can pull up a lot of iHeartRadio, you can pull up anything on that uh, off of Spreaker. So make sure you check it out there. And that does it for this week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.